Okay, good evening, Shvua Tov. We are at the very last line on 16b, test sign Amid Beis. Um, it starts, Omer of Tankun Bereid Rebkia Ishkvar Akko, Omer of Yaakov Baraka, Omer of Samoy, Omer of Tanko, Omer of Huna, Omer of Omer of Huna Lechudoi, Talmud. And now we get to today's subject, which is the concept of being censored, censured, or being put in cherem, that uh, when a scholar uh, shows, uh, wishes to discipline somebody, there's something called a nidui, which means that he's censored, and he's required, according to the Torah, according to halacha, to listen to the rabbis and the rules of this censor. And there are different, just like we've talked about the laws of mourning, where people aren't allowed to do certain things, when a person is under censor, also they're not allowed to do certain things. So, Talmud Shanida Lekvoto. What happens if a rabbinical scholar, but one who's a student, puts somebody in cherem because they are disrespectful? So, it works. Nidoi Nigdof Titania, Menuda Lerab, Menuda Talmud. We learned the following. If a teacher puts somebody in cherem, so all his students have to listen to that cherem. But if a student puts somebody in cherem, the cherem is effective, but the teacher is not required to show respect to a student, necessarily. So therefore, if somebody disrespected a student, and therefore the, the student puts him in cherem, the teacher doesn't have to follow that cherem. But to everybody else, they do, a person insulted a Torah scholar, that person would be in cherem. So what did the person do? If the person went against the Torah, so we have a rule, there's no, uh, no matter, uh, anybody that goes against Hashem, no matter whether a student sees it or a teacher sees it, of course the cherem would be effective. The case was, the person didn't show respect to the Torah student. And you see that uh, even though he's a student, he's not the full-fledged teacher, but he's a bona fide student, uh, his, his nidoi would take effect. And he, he says that a student, a young rabbinical student, can follow, uh, even though he's not a, the Rebbe himself, he can do a judgment himself, if there's something that's clear-cut. There was, now we have a story. There was a certain rabbi, certain scholar, that there were bad rumors about him that he was acting appropriately with women. So, what should they do? If they put him in Kerem, he's a famous uh, teacher, uh, he's a part of the scholars. So it would be difficult to put him in cherem. Then he won't be able to participate in the classes and things. Lo shamte, if you don't put him in cherem, kamaskel shmei dishmaya. He's profaning Hashem's name. He's acting improperly. We don't know if the rumors are true, but there's definitely something that he did improper. Have you heard anything about what to do in this case? This is what Rabbi Yochanan taught. The words of a Kohen, uh, you should, uh, will teach you the knowledge of the Torah. The Kohen, who's the spiritual teacher, 
is like an angel, meaning they are an angel is a messenger. They bring the Torah to you straight from Hashem. Now, why does it compare a teacher to a malach? If your teacher is like an angel, meaning that the person is, does, as far as you know, he acts properly. So then he's appropriate to learn from. But if the person acts improperly, so you should not seek to learn from him. So even though this fellow student is a, also a teacher and he's a great scholar, uh, since he's acting improperly, people shouldn't learn from him. So, Shamte Rabbi Yehuda. The great Rabbi Yehuda got up, even though it was a colleague and it was a, a Torah scholar, he put him in cherem, libisof. And as it happened a while later, Iklish Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda got sick. The rabbis went to see how he was doing. And this fellow scholar that was put into cherem also went uh, to do Bikr Cholim. Kadchazi Reb Yehuda, when he saw Reb Yehuda Chayek, Reb Yehuda grinned at him, so to speak, when he saw this scholar. So uh, the scholar that was put in Cherem. Omerle, the scholar was very upset. He said, Lo mistayek deshamte lahu gavra. It's not bad enough that you put me in Cherem, ela chuke nami chayek, and you're laughing at me? Isn't that very appropriate, not appropriate? Omerle, so Reb Yehuda explained, La bedidach, I'm not laughing at you. I know that he, this, he was uh, sick and likely to die soon, and I'll, when I'll be going to the world to come, I feel good that even a great person like you, I didn't uh, uh, allow myself uh, to be, chanif um, uh, uh, means like to be um, flattered meaning that sometimes when there's an important person, a person is afraid to bring them to justice. It's a lot of work uh, to challenge high, uh, important people. But he felt good that even though this person was uh, a great person, uh, but he did the right thing and he put him in harem. So when I saw you, I smiled because I felt good that even as great as you were, that I had the courage to do the right thing. So... Uh, and a while later, Rabbi Yehuda died. And so this person who had been put in harem by Rabbi Yehuda, now that Rabbi Yehuda had died, wanted to know if he could come back into society. So He said to the other rabbis, can you now permit me to come back in? We have no other great rabbi here of the stature of Rabbi Yehuda that can remove your censure. Go to Rabbi Yehuda the prince. He can uh, permit you. He went to Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. Rabbi Yehuda Anasi said to his trusted fellow scholar who was an aide, go and review this case. If we should take off his censure, Sharile will do it. Rabbi looked into all the details. He recommended, yeah, we could take off the cherem. Ahmad, Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, one of the other rabbis that happened to just come that day to the study hall, the famous Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, he got up on his feet and he said, Ma Shifkoshobes Rab Rebbe. He said he remembers that even the maidservant of the house of Rebbe, when she put someone in cherem, it censored them, it lasted for at least three years. They didn't take it lightly. Shalashanim for three years. So 
our fellow rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda, who put someone in a kerem, certainly we should leave it on for at least three years. That was his recommendation for the scholars that were there, not to remove the kerem until it had been uh, at least three years. Rav Zeira said, isn't it interesting that this particular scholar came on this day? This elder scholar. He had been away from the study hall for many years, and he happened to show up on that day with that teaching. So you see from here a sign from heaven, that we shouldn't take off the cherem. And therefore, they decided they weren't going to remove it. This is a famous question. If, if, you, if you have a sign from heaven, does that influence your decision? So they said it did. So this rabbi who was still in Cherem left the study hall crying. Uh, and then when he was in the bathroom, he got bitten on his private parts by a deadly hornet, and he died. Some people say this was Mida Keneged Mida because that was the area that he had been suspect in. the Haside, they wanted to bring him to the burial cave for the scholars, of the pious scholars, and and he, they couldn't get in. There was like a snake around the burial cave. So then they wanted to bring him to a little lesser burial cave of the judges, and he got in. It's a debate about this second cave. Is it, uh, was it also scholars or by those that were judged? Uh, so... Uh, the question is, uh, but either way, he merited to be buried with honors. Why was that? So the Gemara answered, at least he followed the advice of Rebbe Loy. If a person sees that his Yetzirah is getting strong on him, and if he stays where he is, he's likely to give in. He should go somewhere where they don't know him. And he should wear... A black clothing rather than do a sin here where it'll be a chul Hashem and everybody knows him as a rabbi, as a leader, let him go somewhere where nobody knows him. So Tosus explains it doesn't mean he should do the sin there. It means that if he travels to a different place, he won't be so arrogant. Arrogance is one of the causes of all sin. And uh, hopefully, in a different situation, he'll have the strength to overcome this Yetzirah. Persons shouldn't, even if they find themselves giving in, they shouldn't give in so easily. They should try a change of location, and maybe they'll have more success. That was, and so he did that, and so that's why he deserved to be buried with honor, so to speak. What was the story with the maidservant of Beis Rebbe? Mahid Amster Beis Rebbe, a maidservant of Rebbe, Salahugava, saw a certain person, Davi Machi no Gadol. He was hitting a child who was older. So, and, and he says, so she put him in Kherim. You're not allowed to cause a stumbling block for a child. If a person hits their child when they're older to the point where the child might rebel against the parent, which children do, uh, and it, 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 it makes it difficult, it poisons their relationship, so the parent is guilty for placing the stumbling block there. The Chinese neighbor that the Pasaga place in time of of no gado about a person who hits their older children. So now the Gemara brings another story about censures. He was a watchman for a orchard. A person snuck there and took figs without paying. 
Rami Beikali started screaming at him, get out of here, he didn't listen to him. Amale, the person, he said, you should be a cherem. Amale, the person said back to Reish Lakish, you should be a cherem. The most you could say is, I stole something. If I owe you money for what I ate, I don't deserve to be put in cherem. You can't put somebody in cherem just for owing money. So by you putting me in cherem, you're over-punishing me. You're doing wrong. He went to the base medrash. And he told them the story, When he put you in cherem for punishing him too, wrong, too strongly, he was correct. So his cherem worked. When you put him in cherem for stealing, that was incorrect. Now, the, some people speak out that it was not necessarily stealing. In those days, people would uh, eat, it was understood in many places that you could eat fruit as long as you paid. And he was planning on paying. Umaitakanta. So Rish Lakish said, how do I fix it? Go ask him to, to forgive you. He said, Lo yidana, I don't even know who he is. Then go to the prince. He can forgive you. How do you do it? If somebody's put in cherem and you don't know who did it, you can go to the prince, the leader of the Jewish people, and he can take off the cherem. What do you do if the leader of Bezdin does something wrong? So if he was a regular person, you'd put him in cherem. The first view is you don't put him in cherem right away. You put him in quarantine. You tell him to stay at home uh, for 30 days. But if he continues to do bad, then you put him in cherem. He says if a scholar uh, goes off, does something wrong, you don't put him in cherem publicly. Because uh, you do a cover-up, meaning that it looks bad. People say that even though he learns that learning doesn't help, they still do bad. You draw attention to it. He says initially a cherem isn't the way to handle it. If uh, Marzucha, the pious, if one of his the rabbis deserved to be put in cherem, so first he would put himself in cherem, and then he would put that scholar in cherem because he felt so bad that he had to do it. When he came home at night, he took off his cherem on him, and then he took off the cherem of the scholar. It was a short-term cherem. Hopefully he'll get the message. Tamil can put himself in cherem and take himself off cherem. He said, I should get credit. I never put someone in cherem. I didn't get upset with people. I never put them in cherem. Now, there are people who obviously did wrong, so what would you do? So, what would you do if you don't put them in Kerem? So, the more said, they decided the best way to handle it was to give them lashes. You just give them a whooping, but not necessarily Kerem. So, uh, he felt that the lashes were less of a penalty than the Kerem. What does the word shamta mean? Amarav shamisa. Shamta means there is death. It's like a curse. Vishmul says shmama ye desolate. So being in cherem is like a really bad curse. Umahani beki tichya betanura, and it helps like fat that melts into an oven. Meaning that a person who has cherem, it doesn't leave them. Uh, it sticks with them. It's a, it, it, it's a curse on their body. But not everybody agrees. Just like a cherub affects a person in all 248 limbs, but when the cherub comes off, it goes out of all 240 limbs. How do you know that? 
Kerem, Kerem, Gematra, Mesayim, Barbo, Mishmon is 248. She yotza when it goes out, Barog is Rachim, Tisko, Rachim, Gematria, Hachi. It's also 248. Om Rev Yosef, de Kalba. He said that they once threw a Kerem on the tail of a, a dog, the Eud day of it. There was that dog, Davi Ocho, Mesani, de Rabbanin, that the shoes of the rabbis were getting chewed on. For Lo Havi Kayada, they didn't know what it was, but they put a Kerem on it and then a, a certain dog got a fire on its tail, the Gnevas of Altis. So you see that the harem was effective even on the dog. I believe there's more to that story, but that's a simple translation of the words. Hahu Alma, there was a certain bully, Davi that was bothering a certain scholar. Also, Kamedi of Yosef, and he went to Rav Yosef, what should I do? This bully is hurting me. I'm afraid of him. So instead of saying the cherem, you know what? Shakopiska, you can write it. He said, if he sees it in writing, he'll get even more upset. There's a way to do it secretly. You take it in writing and you place it in a jar. And you go to the cemetery. And you can blow the shofar in the cemetery for 40 days straight. He did it for 40 days straight. Um, and uh, he did a thousand blasts for 40 days. Paka uh, kada, and the jar eventually popped. Umes alma, and the bully also died. What does it mean, shafuri? The word shofar means shindif Hashem should punish him or pay him back for what he did. My tavra, uh, what does the word mean? Um, we, when we blow blasts, we said we blow a, a broken blast, like a, 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 a shvarim. What does that mean? I'll raise the radio. Tavri bati. It means. He should be broken. Hashem should pay him back and break him. Uh, why should that happen? Because anytime the sages looked at a person, he drew attention to himself for his bad behavior. Oh, miso ani. Either that person will die or he will become poor. It's a terrible thing when somebody fights, uh, does bad things to the sages. Okay, back to the Gemara. So we said, normally, most people can't take haircuts of Cholomoyd, but the Nazar and the Mitzorah, if they're purifying themselves, they are allowed to take haircuts. Is that only if they didn't have a chance to take a haircut beforehand? Or perhaps, even if they had a chance. We learn, All the people that are usually permitted to take haircuts on Cholomoyd, the one that got out of jail, the one that got out of captivity, was because they didn't have time beforehand to take a haircut. But if they could have taken a haircut beforehand, we don't allow them to take a haircut on Cholomoyd. But the Nazar Mitzvah are different. Even though they had time, they are permitted to take a haircut. Why? Because if they don't take a haircut, they can't bring their korbanos. Their hair is burned under their korban. So, if you don't let them take a haircut on Cholomoyd, they'll delay even longer. And we want them to come back into society and not be held up. So, therefore, they allowed them to uh, bring, uh, get a haircut on Cholomoyd. Tani, we learned, A Kohen and a mourner also can get haircuts on Cholomoyd. So, what's the case of the mourner? If the eighth day, uh, his eighth day. In other words, a person sits shiva, and then the eighth day means he's in the shloshim. So he should have taken a haircut right before the holiday because the shloshim falls off, and he's allowed to take a haircut right before the holiday. And we learned before that if you have a chance beforehand, you're not allowed on the holiday. So that can't be the case of the mourner. 
must be that there's a Shabbos right before the holiday, and that's the day where his eighth day falls out. So then the Gemara said, yeah, but he could still take a haircut on the seventh day. That the seventh day of morning is not a full day. That's actually over in the morning. We say, part of the day is like the whole day. And after a few minutes of morning in the morning of the seventh day, he starts the eighth day and he should get a haircut. So that can't be the case either, because then the mourner would have been able to take a haircut before the holiday, and so then he wouldn't be allowed during Cholomoyd. So Morris said the case is Shekhao the seventh day fell out on Shabbos. So only the sixth day of the morning was on Friday, Erevaregel. So Tanabar, that we say that part of a day is enough, Yom and the seventh day is the last day of Shiva, and the first day of Shloshim. Kivin the Shabbos, but since it's Shabbos, he's Anasu, and therefore um, he he can't take a haircut. Tanidi done, Savalek Rabban, and Omer Lo Amina, we don't say the seventh day is, uh, is like the, the beginning of the day is like the whole day, and therefore he didn't actually finish the Avelis of Shiva. And uh, so that would be the case that we're talking about where he's allowed to take uh, during the... Um, and uh, what's the case of the Kohen? Usually the Mishmar finishes right before the holidays. So he said he should have taken a haircut before the holidays. The Morris says, Los must be the that he just finished his duty of being a Kohen in the base of Igdash on the holiday. Our opinion is, well, during three times a year, all Kohanim can work. Uh, they're all together. On the holidays, in other words, during the rest of the year, each Kohen has the week in which their family works. But on the holidays, all Kohanim work. So, uh, so since it's, all, it's not really his, it's not a time where he has to work. It's not the time of his Mishmar. So since it's a time when everybody works, Commander Loshal Mishmar to Beregodami. Uh, so one view is, since he could work also, it's as if his mishmar didn't finish. It, 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 is, it is like his mishmar, because he worked until before the holiday, and then on the holidays, all Kohanim are on duty, so it's like he never had a chance to get a haircut, and therefore he can get cholamoid. But Tadabar, the other opinion holds the way I was starting to say, the Afogav, even though he's allowed to work during cholamoid, but he's actually done with his mishmar, so he should have gotten a haircut. And our rabbis learned last skinny line. Anyone who's allowed to take a haircut on Cholomoid is also allowed to take a haircut during the time of mourning. Didn't we learn it's forbidden to take a haircut during mourning? When it's permitted, it's where a person has more than one mourning, one on top of each other, where he hasn't had a chance to uh, take a haircut for many days or hasn't had a chance to wash his clothes for many days. So the Mara says, he should if he had multiple mornings, by uh, and why does it have to be a certain specific case? Anybody who has multiple mornings would be allowed to tanya. A person who has multiple mornings, like one week after another. But, um, and his hair is starting to get heavy, it's, so it's getting long. He's allowed to uh, cut his hair with a blade. And he can wash his clothes in water. 
Even though we let him, he has to take a haircut with a blade and not with scissors, not the usual way. And with water, but not with soap and with Tide and bleach. You see from here, that an avul doesn't usually wash. Just like you can't cut a haircut on Cholomoy, there's no cutting fingernails and no grooming on Cholomoy. Rabbi Yossi Mater, he permits it. And just like the mourner can't cut his hair during the times of his mourning, that's Rabbi Yossi argued. And how do we hold like? We'll leave that for tomorrow.